All right, uh, Awana folks, we're glad to see you tonight. Thank you for being here. Everybody in the whole building, let's stand up, stand up for Jesus. Let's talk about Jesus. Everybody sing out for me now. One, two, three, let's talk. Uh, come on, sing out now. Uh, The truth, the life, the door. Let's talk about Jesus more and more. All right, let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the chance to be in your house tonight, for the opportunity you've given us, Lord. We're excited, as always, to come learn and study about you. Pray your blessings upon us now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let me get these two young girls. Come on right here, girls, uh, you TNT young ladies. because I just bombed the whole thing. When the preacher messes up the pledge to the Bible, you know you're in business. Let's try that one more time. Ready? Pledge. I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp into my feet and a light into my path and hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Good job. Everybody have a seat. Let me give you a couple of quick announcements that pertain to just about everybody, and then uh, I'll let you go out tonight. First of all, this is uh, in regards to, uh, uh, for our teachers, if you have adopted a shut-in, Brother Charlie's got a gift for you to give to those shut-ins, so you see Brother Charlie tonight if you can uh, uh, at the end of service. And then this is for our girls and our moms and grandmas. Uh, Dr. Godwin has asked me to invite you all to something on Saturday. Uh, on Saturday, she is hosting a brunch. Uh, for our local Miss PHCC, who's a wonderful Christian young lady with a very great testimony. And uh, she is invited. She didn't invite the community. She just invited certain ladies uh, in our community, lady dignitaries. But she wanted me to open it up to the ladies and girls at SAGBC. So uh, it will be at 10 o'clock at her house. Uh, she's providing all the refreshments. Uh, and uh, it is high tea time at the home of the president. So if any of your girls and young ladies want to go, she has invited you all to be there. All right, Cubbies, you can head out tonight. Play for us, ladies. All right, Cubbies. Spark says you can head out. 
TNTs. Thank you. 
folks. Thank you so much. Several things I need to remind you about and, and uh, let you know about. First of all, if I can get some men to help me after services tonight, we need to get everything down off the platform tonight for the next couple weeks for the child care's graduation and uh, their end-of-the-year program, so they need that. We'll do that after the services tonight. Um, don't forget, if you haven't already and you want to take advantage of our online tithing, uh, these instructions will be in the bulletin for the next month. Uh, I have to tell you, I love it. It's so simple, so easy. Uh, it makes it very, it's one less thing to think about on a Sunday morning. Thank you, sweet Jesus. Uh, and you don't have to worry about tithing envelopes. It's IRS approved, all of that good stuff. So make sure you get registered. The only thing you got to do is register in advance in order for you to utilize it. So keep that in mind, if you would. Uh, if seniors, if you're going on our Senior Saints trip to Withful, uh, need you to sign up and pay by a week from tonight in order for us to get the discounted tickets. We need to get that taken care of. It's 110 per person, and those dates are in your bulletin, but they are June the 2nd and 3rd, so sign up is out here. Pay sister or brother uh, uh, um, up church. Make your checks out to SAGBC. Uh that's that one off the list. Ladies, I've already told you about Saturday at Dr. Godwin's. That starts at 10 o'clock, Dr. Godwin. Is that right? Uh, and I will say again, uh, the lady that has this is a precious, precious young girl, uh, loves the Lord, got a great testimony, and God has really brought her through some major, major things, and that sh that's what she's using as her platform. So that is 10 o'clock at Dr. Godwin's home at the presidential home uh, for Patrick Henry. Keep that in mind, if you would. And then finally, uh, Brother Ken's birthday. Day was this brother Ken's birthday was this past week. So what we're gonna do on Sunday is just tell me what exactly what I said. Brother Ken is on your day. Brother Ken's birthday is this coming Friday. Here's what we're gonna do on Sunday. I've got a note and some of you are already emailing me that I'm not gonna be here on Wednesday evening. Can I use the mic again, baby? All good? All right. Wednesday evening offering. You mind the Lord as you give tonight, and we'll get into our word this evening. Father, bless the offering. May it be what you'd have it to be in Christ's name. Amen. Take off, fellas. Thank you.
Thank you so much. Esther chapter 9 tonight, if you would, please. Esther chapter 9. Uh, we're going to give you tonight message 17. I have finished writing all the messages. There's going to be a total of 20 of them, and we're on message number 17 tonight. This will be our, our, our 17th with three more to go. While you're turning there, I want to share something with you because I think it'll be a blessing to you. Uh, what a great weekend the Lord gave us this weekend. Amen. On Sunday at lunch, I was sitting downstairs eating with uh, with uh, Kyle and Brother Bob, and uh, Brother Bob looked over at me, and he said, Preacher, I want to talk to you a second, and he got teary-eyed. And I thought, oh, my goodness, he's got cancer, something's wrong, he's going to tell me something bad. He said, uh, I just don't know how to say this, so I'm just going to say it. And I thought, oh, Lord, he's going to chew me out. <laughs> and uh, he said, thank you doesn't seem to be enough, but I've never been in a church that is as good to us as you all are. And I looked at him and I said, well, Bob, it's our privilege. And I don't think we spoil him or anything. But on, on Saturday, I will tell you this, on Saturday, you know, when, when I invite folks to our church, I want to treat them well. I want to be hospitable. I think we're commanded to be given to hospitality. So I, I took Bob and Kyle and Jordan and up to Ippies, which is an Infetima steak dinner Saturday night. So we're driving back, and um, uh, I, I started asking for songs, popping out requests, and and uh, we got back, and the boy, every song I asked, they sung. It was just a little concert for those of us in the van. We got back down here, and Bob looked at me, and he said, We're lucky if a church takes us to Wendy's for a hamburger. He looked at me and said, I don't think anybody's ever given us a steak. I thought to myself, Boy, we ought to be, prom we, we ought to be treating these folks like royalty because of the contributions they make to our lives. Anyway, last thing you said, um, he said, Kyle and I on the drive out here, we were coming past these rolling hills of Patrick County. I can't imitate his draw. I'm not even going to try. He said, we were driving past these rolling hills of Patrick County, and Kyla looked at me, and she said, Bob, this would be a mighty good place to just pitch our tent and call SAGBC our home. Amen. So I, I looked at Bob. I said, I, I, I don't believe in proselytizing, but I believe that's God's will. Amen. Amen. All right, Esther chapter number 9, please. Esther chapter number 9. The title of the message tonight is Victory on Every Hand. Victory on Every Hand. You remember from last Wednesday night that the counter decree of Ahasuerus has been signed. And that counter decree says that the date an infamy still resides in 12th month, the month of Adar, on the 13th day. But now the Jews have the right, the authority, to fight back. When Esther chapter number 9 opens, nine months have passed. So between the close of Esther chapter number 8 and the beginning of Esther chapter number 9, we've had a period of nine months and the day of infamy, the day of the battle, which of course is the twelfth month, Adar, the thirteenth day is now upon the Jews. I'll remind you that this is not just the Jews in the Persian Empire or the Persian capital of Shushan, but is in fact Jews throughout all of Persia, throughout the millions of square miles. They still realize that there is a battle that they have to fight. And let me pause by saying to you tonight that there is one constant in the life of every believer 
There is one constant in the life of every child of God and in every season, and that is simply this. uh, New levels means new devils. Simply put, we will continue to battle until the Lord takes us out of here. Our battles change. Our areas of temptation, our trials change. But we never get to the Christian walk where we can say we've got it all whooped. And regardless of where we are, we can also count on the fact that the presence of the Lord is nigh at hand if we're living in His will. So three things that I want us to look at tonight. We will read verses 1 through 10 as we look at a message I've entitled, Victory on Every Hand. Number one, note with me the timing of the victory. The timing of the victory. Let's look at verse number 1 together. Chapter 9. Now, in the twelfth month, which that is the month Adar, on the thirteenth day of the same, when the king's commandment and his decree drew near to be put in execution in the day that the enemies of the Jews hoped to have power over them. And then the Spirit of God gives us a parenthetical statement. It says, though it was turned to the contrary, that the Jews had ruled over them that hated them. You'll note in verse number 1, we've got two things here. We have, first of all, a reminder of the decree. For those that may have been absent last week, I'll remind you that the king Ahasuerus looked at Haman and Esther and said, you write the bill, I'll sign it. And the bill simply said there was not a revocation of the earlier degree that wasn't possible. But the bill said that day still stands, but now the Jews can fight back. So that opening verse in verse number 1 is a reminder to all of us uh, that the counter-decree has been signed, allowing the Jews to defend themselves, uh, but they knew that they'd have to fight in order to survive. Let me say that again. The Jews knew that they would have to fight in order to survive. Christian, look at me. Satan knows he can't have your soul, so he wants your testimony. And you have to fight to to protect it. I want to say that again. He wants your testimony, and you have to fight to protect it. Let's keep reading. Notice the parenthesis there again. It says, Though it was turned to the contrary, that the Jews had rule over them that hated them. So I I want to juxtapose these two. Because you need to understand that as we get into this day, there are two decrees. There is the first decree that was signed a year ago from the date in which chapter 9 opens that says all the Jews are to be executed and anyone is allowed to do it and you get paid if you do it. And you'll remember that Mordecai, excuse me, Haman put up money to pay anybody who would execute the Jews. So this killing frenzy of the Jews is still on the books, still legal. So now there is a counter-decree that was signed nine months ago, according to Exodus chapter 9, that says, oh, but wait a minute, I can't reverse that earlier decree, but I can now say that the Jews can fight back. So those that hated the Jews could have killed them, and they still can. 
but now the Jews can kill back and I hate to put it that way but that's what the decree said and the decree also said not only can they defend themselves but they can take for spoil the land home and property of anybody that they defeat that's going to play out to be very very important as we look at that day unfold in just a moment so we go number one from the timing of the victory to number two, what I'm calling the thrust of the victory. These verses, we'll look at verses two, three, and four, and they're going to give us a, the, the, uh, an insight as to how God infused strength into the Jews. Look at verse two, if you would. The Jews gathered themselves together in their cities throughout all the provinces of the king Ahasuerus to lay hand on such as salt their hurt. Calling this little section of verse number two their assembly because I've got a vision in my mind of the Jews in, in Persia uniting together putting aside all their differences, because they're, they're, they were people like people are people, putting aside all of their differences, coming together and saying, we've got to join arms, we've got to defend ourselves, and we've got to defeat the advancement of this enemy. Listen to me real carefully. I'm sure that there were some daddies who thought, I'm going to take care of me and my family, and that's all I'm worried about. But I'm also sure there were some people who wisely said, you know, if the families join together, well, we can do a whole lot more. Where are you going, preacher? You do understand that what one can do, ten can do a whole lot better. What ten can do, a hundred can do a whole lot better. What are you saying, Pastor? I want you to understand uh, that we have to realize uh, that our chances of survival uh, are greatly increased uh, when we assemble ourselves together for a common practice. Understand that we have a much better chance of defeating our enemy when we are fighting together. Would you listen? That's why Wednesday night church matters. That's why a prayer time matters. That's why a Sunday evening service matters. You get and you understand that by coming on Wednesday night and studying and learning and uniting together with other believers, you have a much better capacity to defeat the onslaught of the enemy than someone who doesn't take the faith very seriously. There's the assembly. But then there's also the assertion. Boy, I love the second part of verse 2. Notice what it says. The assertion, verse 2. And let's go back. Uh, let's go read verse 2, all of it. The Jews gathered themselves together in the cities throughout all the provinces of King Ahasuerus to lay hand on such assault their heart. And no man could withstand them for fear of them fell upon all people. For fear of them fell upon all people. 
Please listen very carefully to what I'm about to say. You realize that one Jewish man standing up to defend his family did not cause anybody to fear anything. But when you had the entire Jewish faith yoking arms together, standing together and saying, we will stand our ground then those who thought to do them harm looked out and didn't see one person. They saw thousands of people. They saw a group of people who were united together and almost daring somebody to try to take them on. And when the day of the battle came, I'm going to show you in just a moment, fear fell upon everyone everybody because the Jews were holding tight would you listen we churches today we could learn a lot from that we Baptists today we could learn a lot from that I can see tonight that we've lost a lot of spiritual ground in our country because we've been too fractured and too splintered we've let little things divide us and we've not divided over the big things that mattered oftentimes the Jews realized that if we're going to win this thing we got to win it together let's keep reading we see their assembly we see their assertion notice verse number 3 I call this their alliances and all the rulers of the provinces and the lieutenants and the deputies and officers of the king note these next three words helped the Jews why? because the fear of Mordecai fell upon them what a transformation what a change I told you 17 messages ago, and you'll remember that we started this way back when we started school back in September is when we started, Esther. I told you way back when that one of the major themes of this is how God puts his people at the right time, in the right place, to handle the right circumstance. You realize that now the numero duo, the king is still the king, but the numero duo in charge of all of this is Mordecai. And so now you don't just have the, the Jews standing tight. You've got the rulers of the provinces. You've got the deputies of the provinces. You've got the prime ministers and the governors and the lieutenants. And they've all been told by Mordecai, you better protect my people. You better protect my people. And because of the fear that Mordecai instilled in them, now you've got big people, important people, siding with the Jews. Listen to me carefully. Having God on our side, it always constitutes a majority. And God, in his sovereign will, and in his omnipotence, and in his omniscience, put Mordecai in place at the right time 
for the right circumstance to defend the right people. It reminds me of how God promoted Daniel in a very secular society. I got to remind you folks, please listen now. Ahasuerus is still a pagan god. He's still a pagan king, rather, worshiping pagan gods. Ahasuerus is not a believer in God. The Persian kingdom is not filled with believers in God. But in a very high important place, there is a godly man that's wielding significant influence throughout all of Persia. That's exactly the way God works. He showed that with Joseph. He showed that with Daniel. He shows that again with Mordecai. I hear I get very frustrated at times when I hear people talk about uh, how Christians should be so separated from the world that we have no influence on the world. What a bunch of hogwash. Look at your Bible. You will see uh, that we can be in the world and not of the world. The alliance. And then look at verse number four. We go from what I called the assembly, the assertion, the alliance, to now the authority. Look at verse number four. For Mordecai was great in the king's house, and his fame went out throughout all the provinces. For this man, Mordecai, waxed greater and greater. I have in my Bible great big exclamation point with amen and about a hundred exclamation points after that. Because what this reminds me of is that regardless of where you are in your life, you can be a Christian influence. Now, look at me. You can't be like everybody else and be a Christian influence. Mordecai wasn't like everybody else. Mordecai was vastly different than everybody else. See, when you become like everybody else, you ain't an influence no more. Amen. When you become and act like everybody else, uh, you've ceased to be an influence. Yeah, you're influencing just the wrong way. <laughs> In this case, Mordecai gets promoted higher and higher, and his influence gets greater and greater and greater, and now it's permeating uh, throughout all of the Persian Empire. And I'm reading through this over and over, and I'm kind of reading between the lines, but I don't see at one point ever where Mordecai asked for this. I don't see where he campaigned for it. I don't see where he tried to become the second in command. I see God rewarding somebody for their faithfulness. I see God uh, promoting somebody up into a, re a, a, a position of great influence because that's exactly how God operates. I've seen it in Christian lives over and over and over. I, I, will, I will tell you this now. I wouldn't have said it in front of this person, but um, uh, on this past Sunday, uh, you may have noticed a new person that came with, with Kyla. In fact, she wasn't with Kyla. She was with Jordan, the piano player. The lady that sat here in the black hair, uh, she uh, uh, is Jordan's cousin. And so uh, Jordan was having some health issues, and she brought him, traveled with him, and she's quick to let everyone know that's his cousin and, and that she's helping him. Uh, I, I can say this now. 
This woman has been financially blessed beyond anybody's imagination. I mean, I, when, when, when Kyla began to tell me how blessed this woman was financially, my mouth just dropped open. And then she started telling me all the things that she'd done. Throughout all of the years, this is a woman who started with nothing, was faithful to God through many, many years, and now God has blessed her with so much, and she keeps according to what I was told about that much of it. She gives all of this out for God's work. She told me as she was leaving Sunday, she hugged me and she said, Preacher, this is one of those churches like I grew up in. And it reminded me, she said, of why I want to keep being a blessing to God's work. You know what I've discovered about people like that? God just keeps ticking them up and up and up. Because the more we do for God, I don't just mean financially. He doesn't bless us all with that. Although I wouldn't mind if he tried to bless me a little more. Amen. Don't look at me so hyper-spiritual. You are the exact same way. Amen. What I've realized is that the more faithful we are to him, help me out, the more faithful he is to us. Number one, the timing. Number two, the thrust. Finally, number three, the triumph. The triumph. Tonight, we're going to see the great victory that God gave the Jews on the 13th day of the 12th month. Now, please don't think that that's December the 13th because the Jewish calendar begins in the month of Passover, April. So this is, and they don't have, we got 30 days, 31 days, 28 days in one month. Their calendar is a little bit different, but we're somewhere in the middle of March. All right, you with me? Here's what happens. Read in verse number 5. Thus the Jews smote all of their enemies with the stroke of the sword. Did you read that? The Jews, the, 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 the Adar, 13th day is here, 12th month. Thus the Jews smote all of their enemies with the stroke of the sword and slaughter and destruction and did what they would unto those that hated them. You know what that phrase, did what they would, means? It means did anything they wanted to. Anybody that came after them, God gave the Jews the power to defeat them. Keep reading. And in Shushan, the palace the Jews slew and destroyed 500 men. And verse 7 gives you some other fellas, and verse 8 gives you some fellas, and verse 9 gives you some fellas. Amen. Verse 10. The ten sons of Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the enemy of the Jews, slew they. If I'm reading this correctly, and I think I am, on the 12th month, the 13th day, not one Jew lost his life. Think about that, folks. Because according to verse number 5, the Jews smote all 
their enemies. And you read the end of verse 5, it says, And they did what they would unto those that hated them. None of the Jews perished. What a transformation. And the opposition came against them. I believe God supernaturally, supernaturally gave them the victory at every single battle. Everywhere the Jews assembled, they were victorious. Not only did they defeat the enemies throughout all of Persia, this is important. According to verse number 10, they also whipped the ten sons of Haman. Because you know them boys was out for blood. You know them ten sons of Haman? They were out to destroy Mordecai for what Mordecai had done. But I want you to look at the last section of verse 10. Because I think it's the most important part of this. I called verses 5 through 10 their ability, but verse number 10, the second part, I'm calling it the abstinence. Because look at what it says. But on the spoil laid they not their hand. On the spoil laid they not their hand. I want you to go back for just a second to chapter 8, verse 11. Because I want to remind you what the second decree said. Notice, wherein the king granted the Jews, which were in every city, to gather themselves together and to stand for their life, to destroy, to slay, and to cause to perish, all the power of the people and province that would assault them, both little ones and women, and to take the spoil of them for a prey. In other words, when an enemy family came against the Jews, if that enemy family won, they got to get all the Jew family stuff. I'm going to be very blunt. But if the Jews won, they got to take all the stuff of the enemy family because this was a battle to the death. Are you with me? This was a battle to the death. So anybody who came against the Jews, if they killed the Jewish family, they got what was in the Jewish family's house. But if the reverse was true, the Jews had the right to take the stuff of the family who came after them. But notice what it says at the end of chapter 10 and verse number 9. Chapter 9, excuse me, chapter 9, verse 10. Chapter 9, verse 10. The last clause. But on the spoil laid they not their hand. Are you seeing this, folks? They had the right to take it, but they didn't touch it. When every skirmish and battle was over, they looked at the property and said, we don't want it. That's not ours. We're defending ourselves. We're not the adversary. We don't want that. I'm going to give you a little Gregology here. Because the question is, 
Why? If they had been told they could have it, why not take it? Because I think they realized that the perception of the Jewish faith rested upon how they conducted themselves. Are you with me? I think for the entire kingdom of Persia, the perception of the Jewish faith now rested on how they handled themselves. And I think they were smart enough to say, we don't want anybody to think bad about us or the God we serve. We're not going to take what's not rightfully ours. By the way, doesn't one of the commandments say, Thou shalt not steal. So I have underscored, in fact, I have a big parenthesis right here in my Bible from when I started writing this months ago. Testimony matters. Testimony matters. I think what they wanted was to ensure that they had a positive witness. I think what they wanted was to make sure that though they lived in a foreign society, they didn't conduct themselves by foreign laws. They conducted themselves by God's laws. And it mattered. How do you know? Quickly, go to verse number 15. Look at the last clause. Well, let's read the whole thing. For the Jews that were in Shushan, gathered themselves together, 14th day, slew 300 men at Shushan. But on the prey... They laid not their hand. Verse 16. But the other Jews that were in the king's province gathered themselves together and stood for their lives and had rest from their enemies and slew of their foes 70 and 5,000. That's part of next week's message. 75,000 they killed. But they laid not their hands on the prey. When all was said and done, and when Adar the 13th was over, not one person could say a single negative thing about the Jews. Think about that for a second. Not a single person could say a single negative thing about the Jews. You see, folks, I, I just believe that we can be in this Christian battle and we can still preserve our testimony. We can be in this Christian battle and we don't have to compromise and be like the world to win the world. Next week, we will finish most of chapter number 9. We'll look at the details because the Lord gives us some pretty gruesome details about what all the Jews did. And then we'll talk about what the Jewish Feast of Purim was all about. People think erroneously that the Jewish Feast of Purim, which is still observed today, by the way, was all about what Esther did in chapter 6. It was not about what Esther did in chapter 6. The Jewish Feast of Purim is about what God did for the Jews on Adar the 13th. That's what we'll look at next week. Father, thank you for the time. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to study. Lord, as we go into our prayer time tonight, pray that you'd bless us this evening. We'll thank you and praise you in Christ's name. 
quick. We've got about five minutes tonight before our kids come back through, so I'll take prayer requests on my left tonight. Yes, ma'am. All right. Thank you, Jesse. Anybody else on my left tonight? Daryl? All right. Woody? All right. Thank you, buddy. Anybody else on my left tonight? Josh? Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, I'll give you a quick update. I mentioned last Wednesday night, Pat had given me permission to share she's battling cancer. Uh, they got some challenging news uh, about how they're progressing, so continue to pray for her. Continue to pray for Sister Biggs and her treatments with her cancer as well. God has answered some prayer in that regard, but her portacath is still giving her a problem, so pray for Pam if you would. Somebody on my left. Yes, ma'am. Amen. Amen. Thank you, sister. Somebody else on my left tonight want to share a request. In the middle this evening, want to share a spoken request. Brother Cassidy? All right. Brother Biggs? Amen. Thank you, my friend. Absolutely. Somebody else in the middle? Georgie? All right. Brother, Brother Wasoski? Absolutely. And let me just quickly update you. What he's talking about, the young fellow he's talking about, is the child that, that was born with significant birth defects. He had progressed well, but has had some pretty major setbacks here in the last couple of weeks. And that, that is Brother John and Miss Betty's great nephew. So remember him if you would. Dr. Godwin? years of age. Appreciate that, Doc. Thank you so much. Somebody else in the middle tonight? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Brother John. Miss Betty? All right. Thank you, sister. Anybody else in the middle tonight? Keith? Amen, son. Share it with you about your mother, buddy. Share both of them then. Praise the Lord.
bless your heart. Amen. Amen. Bless your heart, son. God's good. Brother C.W.? All right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely, buddy. You got a hip kicking as high as ever now, right? Yeah, amen, buddy. Kicking, kicking double time now. All right, anybody else in the middle tonight want to share? Yes, ma'am. Miss Betty? Absolutely. Well said. On my right tonight, want to share this evening. Miss Miss Irma? Amen. Thank you, sister. I appreciate it. Somebody else on my right tonight. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> 